Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Or if you prefer, send us an email transfer at mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Across the continent, Indigenous people are standing in support of the Wet'suwet'en people, who are trying to protect their traditional territory from the coastal gas lake pipeline route. Wet'suwet'en supporters in Mohawk territory have shut down the main CN rail line, creating a serious political challenge for Justin Trudeau. There have also been support actions in Mi'kma'ki. This week we'll tell you about the rail blockade in Listigouche, Mi'kmaq First Nation. There, the Gaspé-Matapédia line is an independently owned branch line from the main CN tracks. But nothing has moved on the line since Mi'kmaq people set up a blockade in support of the Wet'suwet'en. Our guest this week is Gary Metallic Sr., a member of the Listigouche Bank Council and a member of the Hereditary Tribal Council. I spoke with him about the Listigouche action, traditional Mi'kmaq governance, and where we go from here. And please note, this interview was recorded on Friday, February 21st. Well, right now, uh, you know, uh, we have the youth and uh, different, uh, you know, people, elders, uh, manning the uh, railroad uh, blockade that we have here in support of the uh, Wet'suwet'en struggle. And basically, uh, you know, not much is happening. You know, they're there, but uh, I guess uh, we're watching what's, what's going on, you know, whether... Whether they're going, they're going to uh, the RCMP are going to uh, uh, move away from the uh, BC uh, blockade site, and so we'll see what happens. If they uh, up to some kind of an arrangement, well, that's fine, you know. Well, then uh, the people at the Listigouche blockade are going to take down. So, are they uh, the people in Listigouche? Are are they on the uh, out there um, 24 hours out there all night? Yep. Yes, 24 hours. So that's uh, it's been pretty cold the past couple of nights. So uh, I guess they've probably gone through a lot of firewood. Uh. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, I was there. I was there last night uh, to talk to them, and uh, it was an interview I had to do with uh, Radio Canada. But yeah, it was very cold, and you know, I told them, uh, uh, you know, this is a this is a huge sacrifice on their part when when you're. There 24 hours a day, and especially in the you know the cold hours after midnight. To uh, yeah, but uh, you know their their spirits are still uh, high, and uh, they're we're all hoping that uh, this can be resolved, you know, peacefully. So. Yes, and is it the same? Um, is it the same group, the same core group, or do they take turns? Uh, uh, you know, one one night uh, off, one night, or how how do they have it set up? Yeah, they uh, they take turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, one night one one ship would go in, and then you know at midnight another ship would uh, would take over. I think in the colder weather it's uh, shorter uh, ships. Yes. Yeah, but they have a fire going over there, and uh, one of the uh, local non-native sawmills, which is adjacent almost to the blockade, uh, is donating all the firewood that they need. So that that was good of them to do that. 
Well, that's that's interesting because, of course, in the news we hear uh, we only hear about the companies that are opposed to the Wet'suwet'en uh, struggle and um, and the uh, and the blockade. But uh, you have a sawmill there yep. that is uh, that is assisting uh, our people. Yes, exactly. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, sawmills have a lot of access uh, wood, dried wood, and all that. So they're they're uh, they're told uh, supporters take all you need. But, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes uh, media and uh, government officials will not uh, mention the fact that this is not just about uh, an indigenous struggle. It's a struggle for, you know, for everybody in regards to, you know, protecting waters, wildlife, and fauna. And even at the site, I was told uh, they had nearby uh, non-native French people over there sitting with them last night, you know, so... But we do have a lot of supporters because this is not the first time that we've, uh, uh, I guess, put up blockades or, or protest sites. Uh, we did one in 17, for example. There was a proposed oil and gas drilling in the Gas Bay Peninsula, which is all pristine uh, country. So we got involved. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the tra- uh, traditional chief spokesperson. We have a traditional system here. We've had it for 30 years, so... Uh, you know, we're providing that support. Yes, and, and I wanted to ask you about that, but uh, just let me ask you a couple of other things. The the, the rail line, uh, this is a branch line from the uh, main CN line, as I understand. I think it used to be an old CN line, but uh, it's a privately owned uh, rail line. With the main CN line shut down, would there be, if there wasn't the uh, the blockade, would there be traffic on uh, that line in uh, through Listigouche at this time? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a privately owned freight line. Uh, yeah, there's no uh, the passenger trains are they did did away with those uh, uh, time when VR or whatever uh, sold uh, sold the access uh, right to this company. In the Listigouche area, uh, has the blockade had any impact on on the businesses uh, in that area? Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's been talk about that. Uh, I think it's mostly from the uh, freight uh, company yes. uh, that owns the, uh, the rail line because uh, there's there's uh, sawmills up to the uh, Gaspi Coast and different, uh, uh, I guess, different uh, industrial uh, businesses that that use a rail. Uh, and yeah, they're uh, they're talking about being inconvenienced, but uh, you know we've been inconvenienced too for uh, 300 years. Yes, quite so. And, and what about the the Lustigouche Band Council? Have they been supportive of the uh, of the blockade? Have they uh, they been out there on the line supporting our people? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm, I, I am a Lustigouche Band Council. Uh, I ran in the system, even though I'm a traditional uh, ancestral. But uh, I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues. They had passed an order in council, a resolution, basically uh, just the other day. And it was signed by the majority of council, which uh, if the majority of council signs, and that's the government. And uh, the only thing uh, I was told that the chief didn't want to sign. So most of the the band council is on side with uh, our people on the on the blockade. Definitely. Now, Gary, you did uh, you mentioned uh, the hereditary chief system um, in uh, in the Mi'kmaq context, which um, we have heard a lot in the Wet'suwet'en uh, context, but not as much in uh, the Mi'kmaq system. So can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about how the uh, hereditary system works uh, in the Mi'kmaq context? 
You know, we've always had hereditary systems. Uh, this is something that may not be too well known across the country, but uh, before uh, uh, before the Indian Act, I should say, you know, we have to look at 1876 when uh, John A. McDonald, you know, created the Indian Act system. But before that, it was uh, uh, our systems were hereditary. That's, we have seven districts in in the Eastern Maritimes that encompass you know five provinces. You know, half of Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, each district had a, its own district chief, which I am one. In my district, our district is known as the Seventh District Gispegawagi. Gispegawagi is in English, uh, Gaspe, the Gaspe Peninsula, and that's our territory. But uh, yeah, we've always had uh, uh, hereditary systems, and sometimes uh, if it's not if the hereditary line is not followed, then it could be uh, you know it could be somebody at the community who at that time wanted uh, you know this person to be their spokesperson or district chief. It necessarily wasn't strictly hereditary like the BC. And uh, what happened was, though, in, after 1876, of course, uh, you know, the Indian agents uh, and the uh, Indian Act Bank Council chiefs basically uh, uh, were the governing systems, and and that was purposely done to uh, uh, eradicate the life hereditary systems. It, uh, uh, especially here here in the East and this Ontario and uh, and Quebec, uh, it almost worked to a point where you know they had to go underground because the Indian agent, uh, if they found out that they were meeting secretly, which we have stories here in our community, well then he would send the constable and uh, you know arrest people uh, if they were having secret meetings. Besides the uh, Indian Act Bank Council system. But we survived uh, the, the what I call the intended political genocide that McDonald tried to uh, inflict uh, upon our people. Uh, our system has been uh, alive and was revived uh, 30 years ago, and and we're recognized. By the way, we've been through the courts. We've been challenged legally right up to the Supreme Court of Canada. Some of our listeners will be familiar with the Grand Council. Mi'kmaq Grand Council, yes. Yes. So, do you do you work with the members of the Mi'kmaq Grand Council? I was inducted into the Grand Council uh, in 1990. I uh, I stayed within the, that system for uh, maybe three years, but uh, after staying there, I found out that it was too much. Uh, church-oriented because it does have a, a history with the Roman Catholic Church dating back to 1610, and there's a concordat which supposedly the, uh, the Grand Chief had signed with the Roman Catholic Church because of conversion, mm-hmm. and uh, the influence that the Roman Catholic Church had in the system, uh, you know, wasn't acceptable on our part, on, uh, on our district, so I said that... Uh, you know, uh, I'm not here to do the bidding of the Catholic Church, light candles and you know, ring uh, ring the bells uh, every year where they meet where they meet at Chapel Island. So we we have to act as a political nation. You know, we have, and it was a time when Quebec wanted to separate. It was during that time when I was inducted into it, and I said uh, the Mi'kmaqs of Quebec have a serious problem. We need a nation government, a Mi'kmaq nation government, to act on this. But also the Indian Act Bank Council systems infiltrated uh, the Grand Councils where they had members in the Grand Council. So uh, basically, whatever they want, uh, they wanted rubber stamped. You know, they they had it passed, and that's why we uh, revived our system in 1990. And that's the, the districts. Uh, you have to remember 
the district systems within the Mi'kmaq nation were all independent uh, sovereign districts. The Grand Chief was like more like uh, more or less like a chairman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, that's what the Grand Council is. So in your hereditary system at the moment, your active um, uh, your district would be Listigouche, uh, and uh, I guess there'd be some Mi'kmaq people sprinkled throughout New Brunswick, and that would be your exactly. Uh, our district encompasses uh, part of New Brunswick. Northern New Brunswick, uh, the Merrimack, first the Merrimack Sea, uh, and then uh, the Burnt Church, and back back here. And we have members from Burnt Church, with, uh, different communities, Giskabigia, uh, and uh, within the tribal council uh, system. You've been also active in trying to revive the uh, the Wabanaki Confederacy, um, which uh, you know, I guess, going back to the early 1990s, uh, when it, uh, it 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 came back back to life after being dormant for some time. And can you tell us uh, if the Confederacy is, uh, if there are things going on in the Confederacy at the moment? Well, we uh, again we revived that in 1992. Uh, uh, we actually uh, uh, formed an alliance with our old uh, allies, the Penobscot. And that was the, uh, uh, the meeting uh, meeting place for the Confederacy, right. and that was where the last for, for our listeners who, who who might not know about the Confederacy, it's the it's Mi'kmaq, Passamaquoddy, and and other nations in that area. So that would include uh, the Maliseet, also I guess Penobscot. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's where uh, in Old Town, Maine, that's that's where the Penobscot uh, nation is, and. So we formed the alliance, and what they did was they uh, they lit a special fire that 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 was lit for uh, three days, and then they took the embers, and the runners put them in what they how they used to do it in the birch uh, birch fungus uh, pouch, put it in a pouch, and it remained lit until it got here. The, the, the runners actually ran from Old Town, Maine to here, which is you know, which is quite a ways. It's about uh, uh, yeah, five hours by car. So, <laughs> anyways, I brought it here, and it was uh, relit. And the different nations were here uh, for the uh, ceremonies and the grand entries, and uh, you know, uh, whatever political uh, issues that we had. It's good that you've uh, you've reached, you've made contact with our people in Maine because because of the Canada-U.S. border, I guess we're kind of we feel kind of cut off from um, yes people down there. So uh, it's good exactly. that you maintain the connection. Yeah. Yeah, we have, and uh, you know, border crossings are uh, were issues, but uh, at least the United States honored the uh, treaty, which gives us that uh, right to cross that border freely. The Jay Treaty, you know, it's not a problem. So, Gary, where do you, what what are your thoughts on the current situation? We have, uh, I guess, we could call it an uprising, uh, really, across the country. If you look at all the actions that. Um, uh, are taken in support of the Wet'suwet'en people, and uh, and of course in your part of the country we have the uh, the action at uh, uh, in Mohawk territory. So what what are your thoughts at this time about how about where we are? You know, I said uh, yesterday with uh, Radio Canada, we are where we are today because uh, the federal government, provincial governments, you know, refuse to listen to. Um, you know our, our uh, how would you say uh, arguments, strong historical legal arguments that uh, their relationship with the band councils uh, is a relationship that is one that is mirrored in a in a profound conflict of interest uh, relationship because 
You know, they created the Indian Act Bank Councils back in 1876. Therefore, you know, they were created through federal legislation. And, and then you have these uh, two bodies negotiating for uh, our land titles uh, unceded, still unceded Indian uh, territories, uh, confirmed by the Royal Proclamation of 1763. Uh, uh, again, the 1700 treaties that were signed here uh, in the Maritimes, these, were, these are the strongest treaties, by the way, in the country, the peace and friendship, because uh, we were a military might to be dealt with, uh, and the British knew that, so that's why they're called peace and friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not one of uh, where they said, no, we're taking your land whether you like it or not, you know, with the gun heads. That's not what happened. It was a nation-to-nation relationship, and we have to remember the Indian Act Bank Council chiefs and councils did not exist and did not sign those treaties. It was the original ancestral uh, chiefs that signed those treaties. So, therefore, Canada has never listened or even paid any attention to our uh, our systems. You know, it's been the mindset on their part, oh, we did away with you guys when John A. McDonald introduced the Indian Act. No, no, no. That didn't happen. He tried. McDonald tried, but we survived. We're still here. And the question of political genocide, the infliction of political genocide <clears throat> against our hereditary chiefs at time hasn't been answered. You know, that's that's what we're saying. This nation-to-nation relationship that Trudeau says he has with AFN and the Bank Council chiefs is false. It's false. It's a conflict of interest relationship where one body is negotiating for our uh, lands, waters, wildlife, and fauna. They can't do that. We're the original title holders. So until such time, Trudeau recognizes that. And he can't say he hasn't been told because we served our Declaration of Sovereignty on April uh, 10th, 2019, when when the other first uh, Wet'suwet'en uh, blockade uh, went on last year and told them basically you know, containing facts, historical and legal facts, is what I just spoke to you about, what I touched upon. Uh, we're still, uh, we're still here. We're still uh, uh, the original title holders, and I guess Jody Wilson Raybould is saying the same thing. You can't avoid that anymore. Look what's happened. You know, by just dealing with these Indian Act Band councils, this is why we're here today. This is why we have these blockades. This is not just one or two, like we had in 1990. We're, we're talking about nationwide here. Yes. Yeah, and if they think they're going to, uh, you know, clean this up with just sending in the uh, RCMP and the uh, provincial police, well, you know, wherever, that's not going to happen. Yeah, people are, uh, people are just uh, fed up, and, uh, you know, especially the grassroots people having these band councils negotiate these resource agreements, uh, oil, gas, mining, and most of the time the people don't see the money. It doesn't trickle down to the uh, you know the, the people as as we all know most of the uh, reservations across the country, especially the northern ones. No, you should see their houses. There's, they still would like some clean drinking water. Right? Oh God Almighty! But yet you have AFN and they have these grand conferences uh, in the major cities of Canada, the best hotels and the best uh, you know uh, of everything, and yet our people are hurting and they're starving. Gary Metallic Senior a member of the Listigouche Bank Council, and a member of the Hereditary Tribal Council. And that's it for the program. 
Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Meobigag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.